0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. And on this edition, we're going to be looking back on Arsenal's victory at Villa Park. It feels like another significant step towards hopefully achieving our goal of getting back into the Champions League. Another big three points. We've now won six of our last seven in the Premier League. You can't really ask for much more in terms of consistency from this side, there's so much to get into in and around this game. We're going to be doing all of that throughout the show, and of course, we're going to be taking your comments and questions from the live chat box before we get into the game, though, and before we start discussing performances, individuals, talking points, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I just want to say a massive thank you uh, to those of you who joined me for the live watch along. Now, we don't get to do these every game. Um, I know there are various other channels out there that do do them much more often, do them brilliantly. Um, we've kind of dipped our toes in it from time to time. And uh, and I wanted to do it today because I had a window in which I was able to. Um, and, and lots of you came along. Lots of you joined me. Lots of you uh, were brilliant in the chat. Lots of good uh, opinions. Lots of good views. Lots of good talking points. Uh, all done in the best possible spirit. And we got the victory. But I also want to say, uh, a big welcome to the hundred or so people that subscribe to the channel during that watch along. We've had nearly 10,000 views uh, on that, which is amazing. So thank you all so, so much uh, for that. I really honestly do appreciate it. And for those of you listening via the podcast, welcome. Uh, hello. Love you guys, too, as well. Uh, please don't forget to leave us a review on the various platforms that you're listening from as well. Um, really, really do appreciate that, too. So Aston Villa nil, Arsenal won. Another big result, another big step towards achieving our goals. And listen, for those of you who watched or listened to the preview show, you'd have known that I wasn't massively comfortable with this game. I felt like it was going to be a really difficult day at the office. I felt like coming into it Saturday early kickoff, which traditionally um, you know, isn't very good for us. I feared the worst today. I'm not going to lie. And and as I've said throughout the course of the season, when it comes to Arsenal this time around, we need to be consistent or, or at least more consistent than the likes of the teams around us. We don't need to be Liverpool or Man City consistent, but in the last seven or so weeks of Premier League action to win six out of seven. Well, that is basically Man City and Liverpool levels. Now, I'm not saying that we're as good as those teams and I'm not saying we can maintain it over the course of the season. If we did, we'd be right at the top of the pile and we're not. But what I am saying is that level of consistency should not be, um, you know, just brush the side. It shouldn't be overlooked at what an achievement it is to produce that level of consistency over a period of time, because that's what's put us in the driving seat for the top four being able to produce results on a consistent basis and not allowing defeats to derail us. You know, we lost against Liverpool the other night. We put a lot of energy into the game, a lot of effort into the game. And it would have been quite easy, actually, for Arsenal to go to Villa Park today, um, to be rocked by Aston Villa, to be intimidated by Aston Villa, to not really fancy it and find ourselves struggling and losing points, dropping points and coming away in a bit of a dodgy position given where we were a few weeks ago uh, going into the international breaks so it was imperative that arsenal put what happened against liverpool to one side and focused on today's game and got the result it was important that we play with an energy with an intensity with a commitment level um that that was you know that would rival that of the very very best and we did all of those things today and arsenal and Mikel arteta and his players all deserve so much credit. Also have to shout out the away support as well today. Um, Magnificent as always. Um, For anyone who's been lucky enough to be on the road with Arsenal in the past, you'll know that our away support is always brilliant. But today it was in particular uh, really, really good and um, really enjoyed it. Okay, going into the game, I must admit I had a little bit of a wobble. You know, I said on the pre-match that I thought it could end up being a 1-1 draw. I said I wanted Arsenal to win it. I think my, was my prediction 1-0? I can't remember what it was. Um, That was my heart prediction. My head prediction was 1-1. That's what I thought was going to happen today. Um, So not a million miles off, but when we got the team news and we heard that Aaron Ramsdale was out with a hip problem that we now know is going to keep him out for a number of weeks, I was a little bit worried. I was a little bit concerned, uh, you know, and More fool me for doubting Bern Leno, but I was concerned about that. I was concerned at Martinelli's absence, not because I didn't think that Emile Smith-Rowe could do the job. In fact, in the pre-match, I said that I wanted to see Emile Smith-Rowe start, that that would have been... No, sorry, I didn't. I said that I'd go with Martinelli, but I said I wouldn't have a problem if uh, Emile Smith-Rowe was the one that played from the left. It's the type of change that I think you can make quite seamlessly. But we'll come on to talk about the impact of Smith-Rowe as opposed to Martinelli a little bit later on in the programme as well. So we went into the game and, and I was nervous. And the reason I was nervous was because what Aaron Ramsdale brings to the table is normally so different to what Bern Leno brings to the table. Aaron Ramsdale is always on the edge of his box. He's always on his toes. He's always ready to come out and clear a ball. He's always ready to be a little bit more ambitious in his distribution. He's much more comfortable with the ball at his feet. And in recent months, we've seen the benefits of that. We've been able to lure opponents in by using the goalkeeper as somebody to pass to. We've been able to draw people out and use Ramsdale's distribution as a way of getting up the pitch and getting up the pitch quickly. How many times has he started off really positive moves. But we've never really seen Bernd Leno do that effectively. My other concern was the aerial dominance. Aaron Ramsdale is much more dominant, generally speaking, in the air than Bernd Leno is. You know, we've seen Leno in the past be stuck to his goal line at times. And when corners have come over, I don't think he's always been commanding enough. And I think he puts pressure or has put pressure on the centre-halves as a result of that. But today, credit where credit is due... Burn Leno did a brilliant job. He did come out and claim some big crosses. He did come and get above his centre-backs. He really was playing like he had a point to prove today. And I really, really enjoyed his performance. Did he play out from the back as much as Aaron Ramsdale does? No. I think there was a little bit of a reluctance, maybe, to use him in the same way that we use Aaron Ramsdale. But that's not a problem. Sometimes you have to adapt your game slightly to suit the personnel that are available to you. And I think Arsenal did adapt that. A little bit, just because of Bern Leno being there. My other concern was, given that Ramsdale plays on the edge of his box, given that his starting position is a lot higher, would Arsenal, as a consequence, drop five yards deeper uh, because Bern Leno was behind them and then invite pressure? And we didn't. You know, I think we, we've we done a really good job of making sure that we squeeze up. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing an identity in this team. We're seeing an identity being hammered home. And the more that that happens and the more regularly that Mikel Arteta gets the message across and the more time he has to instill that mentality and get people on side with what it is he wants to do, the more it becomes natural. And then it becomes something that anybody who comes into the team understands and gets on with and realizes that that's the way we need to play. So credit to Mikel Arteta for really hammering that home. We saw the Rob Holding substitution right at the back end of the game. That substitution where he brings Holding on, slots him in between the two centre-halves to help deal with the aerial onslaught that we were expecting from Aston Villa in the latter stages and then uh, making sure that we tighten things up a little bit that way as well. Look, I thought Mikel Arteta managed the game today for the most part really, really well. There are a couple of players that come on that I want to talk about uh, in terms of their performances, but we'll save that for a bit later. Just kind of finally on the Bern Leno thing, when you look at the way that Burn Leno was congratulated by his teammates when he made that save from the free kick late on, it was the last... Um, it was the last, uh, you know, it was the last action of the game. He dived to the left-hand side. He saved it. He parried it away. Kierantini cleared it. And the minute Kierantini put his foot through the ball, the final whistle went. But it, look, it was a save I expect Burnley to make. Let's not not pretend it was a world of a save. He, he can see it. He's got time. His positioning is good. And he gets across and he parries it to the left. But what was really encouraging was that when that full-time whistle went, you saw everybody in an Arsenal shirt go over to Bern Leno, congratulate him. And that tells me that even though Bern Leno is not starting week in, week out, that in fact, that was his first start in the Premier League since Manchester City back in August, that 5-0 defeat at the Etihad. To see him come back in the team, make a a solid contribution and get that kind of reaction from his teammates. You know what that tells me? That tells me that he's still loved. That tells me that he's still invested. That tells me that he is still valued by his teammates. And Arsenal are building, I keep saying it, a really, really strong culture, a culture whereby everybody's appreciated, everybody's loved. And that unity... And that spirit that Mikel Arteta's has created, it will get us over the line from time to time. It got us over the line against Wolves. It helps us to compete uh, a little bit better the way we did against Liverpool, where we were better than we have been in pre- on previous occasions. And to see that spirit and, and unity, it, it, st- it proves Mikel Arteta right when he felt that he needed to move on certain characters. Lots and lots of Arsenal fans were critical of those decisions. I was worried about some of those decisions and how they might impact us. But with every passing week, and we see that spirit strengthening, that unity developing, that bond growing. Every time you see that, you have to say that it's just proving Mikel Arteta was right to take the decisions that he's been taking. Because that kind of togetherness, I ain't seen that since the Invincibles. Let's be honest. it's It's brilliant to see. Honestly, it's a breath of fresh air. Moving further on in the team, and, and we'll, we'll do so I've talked about Bern Leno. Let's talk about Cedric Suarez. I thought he had a really good game again. Um, for the most part, I thought he was really, really good. I thought there were a couple of points in the second half where, for me personally, if I'm being critical, he just allowed Ashley Young to cut inside onto that right foot of his a little bit too easily, and he let him carry the ball into the penalty area. There was one instance where he allowed him to do that, Young's delivery towards the far post, I think was looking for Watkins. And fortunately for us, Gabriel was alert to it and he managed to nod the ball behind for a corner. But that was my only slight criticism of, of Cedric, if I have to have one, was that I just felt a couple of times in the second half, he allowed Ashley Young to cut inside a little bit too easily. But other than that, solid performance from him again. Ben White and Gabriel were fantastic. You know, they, they were brilliant. Gabrielle, for me, since he's come into the Arsenal side, for the most part, has been solid. He's been really, really good. But there have been a couple of dips in Gabriel's form. And I thought we started to see that a couple of weeks ago, um, only for him to turn it around and, and get back to somewhere like he's best. He is becoming an absolute beast of a centre-half, a man-mountain. And it actually irritates me that he doesn't really get the credit, I don't think, outside of uh, Arsenal that he should. But what a player he is. Ben White has ever composed calculated, reading balls uh, that were played over the top and in behind the defence brilliantly and ahead of time, ahead of the striker, managing to position himself in such a way where he could make really good clearances. Um, Brilliant player, Rolls-Royce of a defender. Kieran Tierney was excellent defensively, I thought, again today. Going forward, I think he, he wasn't quite at his best there were a couple of times where I thought he got into promising positions and either his delivery wasn't quite good enough or his touch let him down. Uh, a couple of times he tried to knock the ball past people and just turn on the burners. Didn't really work. Um, so I thought going forward, he, he wasn't at his best. But defensively, he was sound. He really, really was. And this brings me on nicely. We're going to talk about Emile Smith-Rowe in a bit. But this brings me on nicely to the difference between when Emile Smith-Rowe plays and when Gabriel Martinelli plays. Now, Mikel Arteta in the past has said that he doesn't feel that when it's Kieran Tierney and Gabriel Martinelli on that left-hand side, it's the right balance. He said that in the past. And although Martinelli's improved of late in terms of his the tactical side of the game, in terms of knowing when to go, when not to go, being a little bit more disciplined in his positioning, I, I think that today kind of showed that Mikel Arteta's statement that he made all the way uh, back at last season about this was, was actually quite accurate. Emil Smith-Rowe and Kieran Tierney, from a defensive standpoint, just seem to work a lot better. Now, what that also does is it has a knock-on effect on Granite Xhaka. Because with Martinelli, okay, he pulls out right to the flank. He wants to receive the ball right on the flank and he wants to attack people. He is a left forward. He's not a left winger. Emil Smith-Rowe plays, though, from the le- he's like a left-sided attacking midfielder. He does pull out wide to receive the ball from time to time, but defensively, he tucks in a lot more. And that means that because he tucks in and provides that cover for Kierantini, that then Granit Xhaka can tuck in slightly more left because he's not having to cover that position and get closer to Thomas Partey, which then makes those two a much more solid combination and much more difficult to get around. But Kieran Tierney, really good defensively, as I say. Moving into that midfield, both Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey today, I thought were sensational. They were solid. They didn't let Villa have any joy. They didn't let Villa build up from deep. They managed to cut out passes into the likes of Coutinho and Buendia. And when those guys did pick up the ball and try and drift the infield, they were, I beg your pardon, they were always met by a really solid midfield duo. Partey is looking like a Rolls-Royce of a midfielder. Uh, You can understand now why Arsenal paid big bucks for him, why we were so desperate to get him. He looks fit. He looks sharp. He's probably the most important player in that starting eleven right now. I think he's so, uh, so good. He's so um, classy in possession. And a lot of that is coming from confidence as well, right? He knows he's playing well. He, He wasn't previously. He came out and said that. He owned it. He admitted it. But now... He's in a position where he's at the top of his game, not just physically, but mentally as well. And he's much more confident on the ball the way he receives it on the turn and drops the shoulder, spins into really good positions. He's much more ambitious in his passing. Uh, he gets forward. He gets to the edge of the box. Had a couple of moments today again where he got into really good shooting positions. Still hopeless uh, when shooting towards goal, but he's so, so important. Um the structure he provides, the base he provides to that midfield is honestly um, key to the way we're playing and key to the upturning form, key to the consistency that we've shown of late and uh, and and fair play to him. But also, you have to give Granit Xhaka credit. And there are Arsenal fans out there who simply don't like Granit Xhaka and will never, ever in a million years admit that he is really, really important. But him being alongside Thomas Partey is partly why... Partey's been able to raise his level. He's got a solid partner next to him who's shown that he can do a variety of different roles in that midfield. Want him to press further forward up the pitch, want him to be more aggressive along with Martin Odegaard uh, as, and, and leave Thomas Partey as that single midfield pivot against perhaps weaker opposition, he'll do that, no problem. Want him to drop that little bit deeper and help Thomas Partey from a defensive standpoint he'll do that. Want him to drift out slightly left and provide cover for when Kieran Tierney goes forward, he'll do that too. Yes, he's got a mistake in him from time to time. Yes, he's a little bit petulant. Um, You know, I thought, although he wasn't booked for that particular incident, I thought that, well, he was booked for the foul in that whole kind of passage of play. But he then done that thing, didn't he, with Buendia, where he went up to him and he kind of put his arm out to like give him a a shake of the hand. He didn't really want to know Buendia and Xhaka kind of pushed him. That was a little bit petulant. That's the kind of thing that we don't really want to see Granite Xhaka do. But that's who he is. That's what he is. And we're going to have to accept that. You know, he is playing really, really well at the moment. He's at the top of his game. I thought he was good against Liverpool the other night as well. And he continues, uh, for me, um, you know, to to impress. And, and he's really, really important. Martin Odegaard, again, moments of brilliance today. Kept drifting out to that right-hand side, particularly in the first half, to good effect, helping Bukayo Saka. The pair were causing Villa all sorts of problems. Villa were having to bring players out to that uh, left side of theirs to cope with the combination of Odegaard and Saka. They were having to rotate fouls because that's what they needed to resort to in order to stop us, in order to stop our rhythm. And Odegaard, you know, another really good performance from him, should have been played in by Alexander Lacazette in the second half as well. And I'm pretty confident he'd have finished from that position and put the game to bed. But hey, uh, you can't have it all. Moving on, uh, if we look at Saka's performance, brilliant again. Listen, he got kicked all over the park. And it's a testament to the young man's character that he was able to pick himself up time after time, dust himself off, and just get on with it. He went and had a little word with the referee at halftime. It was a, it was beyond me how Ashley Young didn't pick up a yellow card in the first half. He constantly was crashing into him, uh, no attempt to get the ball, always purposely leaving something on him, and um and but it didn't faze Bukayo Saka. It doesn't faze him anymore. He knows how good he is. He's very humble in interviews. He comes across in a a sort of very down-to-earth way. But Bukayo Saka knows exactly how good he is. He knows that he gives defenders nightmares. And he's used that confidence to kind of create this aura around him where, you know, teams look at him now and and fear him. And he can now, because of what he's done in England colours and because of the fact that he's bounced back from that big disappointment in the summer, he now has that clout to go up to a referee and say what he wants to say. He now has that self-belief that means that people can't tear him down with a couple of kicks early doors. And and it's honestly so good to see. Um, Really good goal from Bukayo Saka. It all came really, didn't it, from a very clever free kick from Arsenal. And I talked during the watch along about how it's good to see us be a little bit more creative in those situations. There are teams who thrive on you lumping the ball in the box. The centre-backs love it. That's what they want to deal with. What they don't want is to have to think on their feet. What they don't want is to have to turn and run back to their goal. What they don't want is someone disrupting the plan. And uh, and that free kick certainly did that. We took it short. Saka carried the ball. Cedric made the run on the outside and then delivered the ball into the box. Ben White got the head on it. Gabriel tried to get something on it. It actually came off a Villa defender in the end and then fell to Bukayo Saka, who did really well, I thought, to adjust his body and get the strike off with very little backlift. Look, it wasn't the greatest strike at goal, OK? It wasn't in the corner. Um, and had there not been a number of bodies between Martinez and, uh, and of course, Bukayo Saka, I fully expect he would have saved that. But that was the scene. There was a crowd scene. And when that ball got hit through, when it squeezed through, he had... Uh, You know, he had a problem seeing it. He saw it late, couldn't get down to his right in time. And Arsenal took the lead. And it was a big, big goal because you watched that first half up until that point and you felt like we've played really well here, but we've not capitalised on it. We've not capitalised on it. And it's really, really frustrating. Um And you always have that fear, don't you, in your mind that you might then go on to regret it. Uh, Avani says, who's in the room, Harry? You keep looking on your right. Nobody's in the room. I've got the Middlesbrough Chelsea game on. And every time I kind of catch a glimpse of something happening at either end of the pitch, I do. I apologise. Not very professional. Keep glancing over. Okay, um, so that was that was pretty much. Uh, sort of the, my wrap-up of the first half. And, and as I said, I've mentioned a lot of the performances there. I want to talk a little bit about Lacazette. Won the ball back uh, a few times, uh, sort of from those positions where he drops into the midfield really, really well. My only criticism of Lacazette today would be, on a couple of occasions, he showed us why we need a top-top striker, maybe someone a little bit more mobile, someone with a little bit more of an instinct for goal, um, I think he showed it to us against Liverpool, where I just thought that we got balls into really good positions and he was never there. And today, I think that that was the same again. You know, we worked the ball into good areas and he wasn't there. You know, Emile Smith Rowe had to come from wide areas and get into those positions. He did a couple of times. But Lacazette, for me, I don't know if it's too if it's that he doesn't click straight away, that he doesn't have that instinct to read those situations and the way they might unfold uh, before they actually do. Or if it's that he doesn't have the fitness to get there, I think it's probably a bit of both. But you just think what this team would be if we did have that complete and lethal striker uh, sort of spearheading it. But look, can't knock him for work rate, can't knock him in terms of his commitment um, And uh, and fair play to him again. On the other side, Emil Smith-Rowe came into the team, as I say, drifted in from the left-hand side into those more central positions, more central goal-scoring positions. And he does that more than Martinelli, doesn't he? Which ties into what I was saying uh, a little bit earlier about the fact that Martinelli plays more like a left-forward, uh, sort of attached out to the left-hand side, whereas Emil Smith-Rowe is a bit more of a attacking midfielder who operates from a slightly left position and then the distance is then shorter for him to go out, uh, to drift into those areas. The beauty of Mill smith Rose game is that his movement is so deft and he can get into those lethal positions, uh, off, honestly, sorry, often undetected. Martinelli's less subtle. He'll get the ball wide. He wants to take you on. He wants to isolate you. That's not to knock or criticise either one of those two players, but they are different players. And you saw that today, I thought. Um, so that's the the individual performances. I thought everybody in the starting eleven did a really, really good job today. Um, I just want to take a few comments and then we'll come on to talk about some more players and some more bits and pieces uh, from the game. Start getting some of your comments in there as well. Uh, big thank you to Anarag, who says, um, big man, Harry going places through quality streams? Thank you so, so much, mate. Really appreciate it. Junior Gunner says credit to Leno for stepping in and doing a job. But one week without Ramsdale and you could see the difference in distribution and claiming high balls and crosses. We look quite nervy in that regard. Yeah, look, it's not going to be the same, Okay, It's not going to be the same. They're two different goalkeepers with very different strengths. What I would say about Bern Leno is that he is as good a shot stopper as Aaron Ramsdale, and he's proven that over the years. Uh, Not Focal says, Leno's a German international. Not sure why people were doubting him. Yeah, look, if you look at all the positions in our team, you know, although his game is very different to that of Aaron Ramsdale, and that then can have an impact on the way the team plays, He's someone that we should trust probably more than we do. Um, so I think there's part of it is is, uh, it is based on what we've seen from Bert Leno, but a lot of it is to do with how much we value, uh, of course, uh, Aaron Ramsdale and his contribution. Uh, Saurab uh, has a comment to make on Pepe and Eddie. He says they were awful after coming on and didn't help us in securing the win, giving away 1,000 free kicks. I'll come on to those two in a minute because I do have an opinion on that as well. Um, Harvey says, hello all, hit that like button. Yeah, look, there's nearly 500 of you watching us live right now. So there's no excuse for us not to have at least 250 likes on the board by the time this stream ends. Come on, hit that like button. It really, really does help. And make sure that you are subscribed to the channel if you are new. Uh, We continue on the road towards 20,000. Let's get there by the end of the season. Victor says, Harry, you're the best content provider from an Arsenal perspective. Thank you. He says, keep up the brilliant work, unlike the other Arsenal content providers who are like poison to their subscribers. Uh, Thank you for that, mate. Really, really uh, do appreciate it. There are loads of good Arsenal content creators out there, but um, it's great to hear that you think um, we're up there as well. Alex Martel would love to hear your thoughts on the subs, Harry. Come on then. Let's do it. Uh, Let's talk about the substitution. So, look, I talked earlier on about how going into the game, I was fearful of the fact that we didn't really have an awful lot to offer from the bench. There was no Martinelli. um, You know, it was literally just Nico Pepe for me from an attacking viewpoint. You often look at a substitutes bench and you, you think about how strong it is based on what it can give you in terms of goals, as opposed to what it gives you defensively i always think that anyway i think you look at a bench and you go naturally you gravitate towards the forwards and you go well look at the bench they've got look at the players they've got who can come on and change the game and actually sometimes you need players from a defensive standpoint to come on and impact and change the game for you to think that we were going to be able or some of those players were going to be able to last 90 minutes um playing with the intensity the work rate and the commitment that mikel arteta demands after playing a really taxing fixture against Liverpool on Wednesday, I think was a little bit naive on some people's parts. I'm not saying you, Alex, but I know there were a lot of people that were saying sort of, why is he making these changes? There were a few in the comments when we were doing the watch-along. And my view on it is that you have to look after the players physically. And if someone's not giving you the work rate you need, then you need to change them. Tiredness is not just in the legs as well. It can be mentally, and that can have a big cost. You know, you might switch off at a key moment but Saka had been kicked all over the park. He needed to come off. Lacazette was not offering us anything at that point in time. I didn't feel, so I understand um, why uh, he made changes, but the changes didn't really work. And if I want, if I'm going to be critical of one thing of Mikel Arteta today, it, it is those substitutions. Um, and, and, and let me explain because I don't want to put a negative spin on a really positive day at the office, but it is worth discussing because I do think it was a problem. So Nicolas Pepe comes on. And as much as I like Nicolas Pepe, and I've defended him a lot on this show throughout the years, I do think he gives you something uh, from an attacking perspective. I do think he's unpredictable. I do think he's got goals in him. He is one of those players that you look at and think about what he can bring you from the bench going forward. But you don't think about what he's going to bring you from a defensive standpoint. Now, credit to Nicolas Pepe. It wasn't through a lack of effort. He did work back. He did help Cedric Suarez. He did find himself defending. He did find himself getting together with Cedric and closing gaps that the wingers were looking to skip into. He did a lot of running. That that's not my issue with Nicholas Pepe, but he's just not safe enough with the ball at his feet. He's just not. He's just not streetwise enough in certain situations, and I certainly thought that that was on show today. I think Chelsea have just scored. Romelu Lukaku, Yep, yeah, 14 minutes in. Sorry to interrupt. I just, I just feel like with Nicolas Pepe, he's not streetwise enough to rely on in a situation like the one we were in today, where you, you've got a narrow lead. It's a big game. It's the kind of result that can define your season, i.e. if you then go and drop points at Villa after losing to Liverpool, it has the potential to turn from a dip into a rot and it has the potential to derail you, and and then it's something that you're going to think long and hard over and mull over during the international break. Today was so, so significant. And Nicolas Pepe, when he came on, didn't help. He didn't help. The other side of this, and the flip side of this, is that if you go as a manager and bring on a Nuno Tavares, who I would have considered, by the way, although it was on the right-hand side, If you go on and bring a Nuno Tavares on ahead of Nicolas Pepe to play on the right-hand side, what does that do to Nicolas Pepe? It's almost like saying, I don't trust you. And so I'm going to put a defender on to do the work that you need to be doing. Pepe comes on. His touch was poor. It was loose at times. He had a couple of swings in the penalty area trying to clear balls that he completely miskicked them. There are... There were things in his game that uh, nothing to do with Mikel Arteta, but you know that he has that in him. And and I think that there's a balance to be found here if you're the manager. As I say, you've got to do what's right for the team. You've got to do what you think is going to give you the greatest chance of getting out of there with the desired result. But the flip side of that is if you want to keep and maintain this culture that we keep talking about, the team spirit that we keep talking about, and keep everybody invested in what we're doing then sometimes you have to show trust in people. Sometimes they'll repay that trust and at other points they won't. And Nicolas Pepe nearly uh, cocked it up today by giving away cheap free kicks, by uh, allowing people to glide past him, by giving the ball away loosely. I I, I don't think it was the wrong decision in terms of looking at it before it happened. It's very easy to look back at it and say, bringing Nicolas Pepe on was a mistake because it caused us a few problems defensively. I think it's very easy to say that with hindsight, but you take off your right winger, surely you're going to bring on another right winger as opposed to bringing on a left back to play on the right flank. Do you you see what I mean? So I I think there's a a balance to be found for the manager there. And unfortunately, it didn't cost us today. Eddie and Ketty are the same. Lacazette had to come off. He was giving nothing. Nothing in terms of work rate. He was not not a focal point for us anymore. He wasn't somebody that you could hit the ball up to and, and get to run the channels just to kind of run the clock down a little bit. He, he wasn't giving us that anymore. And again, you look to that substitutes bench. What do you have in terms of a striker? Nothing. And so you got to go with Eddie Nketiah. We knew that this um we knew that this team. And this squad was stretched thin, was spread bare um, when we decided to let more players go in January and not really replace them. This was always going to come up at some point. But I don't want to be too critical of Arteta. I, I don't, uh, because I'd have probably made the same changes. But um, at the same time, you can see that those players, look. Don't, let's not dwell on it and say that that, that it's a big Cock up and it's a big problem. Let's say that it's something that was a reminder to us that going forward, we need to improve the depth of the squad. I think that's the best way to look at it. Uh, big hello to Tom Canton as well of the Guna Talk, who's joining us in the live chat. I hope you're well, mate. Uh, make sure if you haven't done so already that you do click on Tom's name in the chat box and go and subscribe to the Guna Talk TV. It's one of the best Arsenal channels out there. So make sure uh, you do get involved. Tom says, Harry, Pepe has never scored for Arsenal when coming off the bench when we were already winning the game. Yeah, look, that's 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 fair enough. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, look, as I said, I, I think it was a substitution that Mikel Arteta probably shouldn't have made. But in terms of it being Nicolas Pepe, if it were me, it would have been Nuno Tavares if I were the manager. But as I say, I do think there is a flip side to that. I do think that there is a a need to keep people engaged and involved. And if you snub a right winger um, when looking to replace a right winger to put a left back on, it's the message that that sends to that player as well. I know the priority has got to be the team and you've got to do what's right there and what gives you the best chance of succeeding. But I do think there's an element to that. Or, or, or I do think that Mikel Arteta's thought about that and I do think that's why he's gone... With Pepe, I'm sure he knows better than we do Pepe's shortcomings from a defensive standpoint. But as I keep saying, in order to breed this culture, in order to keep it going, you need to sometimes lend your trust to people and hope and just hope that they give it back, Um, that they give you the effort, they give you the work rate, they don't put a foot wrong and that they repay that faith. And I I think that... Although it didn't go very well, we, we got away with it. it. We come through it unscathed and we just got to kind of move on from it, in my view anyway. Uh, but lots of people agree, you know, with with that being the wrong decision. Tyre says you don't bring Pepe on to defend the lead. Normally you take Pepe off if your mindset is to protect the lead. But we need to keep Saka healthy. Absolutely. Uh, that's, uh, that's a big part of it as well. OK, let's get some of your questions. Let's get some of your thoughts. In terms of me kind of just wrapping up on my bit, um, you know, big big win, another big step towards the top four. It's still not done. I think there's um, I think there's a lot uh, of work to be done. There's some very very difficult fixtures to come as well, and um, and I'm mindful of that, and it's why I'm not getting carried away. But today felt big. It felt as big as the Wolves win, didn't it? I know the nature of that win was very very different, sort of coming from behind, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But to um, to see uh, Arsenal go after a really taxing game against Liverpool in midweek and go and get all three points on the road against a very good Aston Villa side uh, and nullifying Aston Villa side as well. They didn't have a shot on target till like midway through the second half. To to do it and to do it, you know, we felt watching it that it, was, it wasn't it was comfortable. But actually, when you look back, I think you'll think it, it was pretty comfortable. And, and that's the nerves that get the better of us during the game. I'm sure when I watch it back tomorrow or ahead of tomorrow when I do my next show, I will feel a lot more comfortable knowing the scoreline and probably look at it and go, you know what? It never really was in danger, was it? But at the time, it's not easy to kind of process that. Um, Big shout out to Casey Bourne as well, uh, who joins us in the chat. Casey, hope you're good. Um, Long time no speak. I've I've actually been meaning to message you uh, this week about a couple of things as well. Uh, For those of you that don't recognise Casey, Casey uh, was uh, helping me out with the women's show that we were doing at the start of the season. Just time got on top of me, uh, work got on top of me, and we we weren't able to continue it. But Casey, with a really great question, do you think Palace will be a harder fixture than today? Um, it's got the potential to be, you know, you go away to Crystal Palace um, under the lights, it's never an easy place to go, Selhurst Park. You'd like to think that given Palace's focus is probably on the FA Cup now, uh, that maybe the weekend's fixture would take well, I know there's a break now, but you like to think that if 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 they can win the weekend's fixture and get through to the next stage of the FA Cup, that Crystal Palace's priorities might be elsewhere. Um, look, we're good enough to beat them and we've got to beat them if we want to finish in the top four. We've got to keep uh, this momentum going and we've got to keep picking up the results. But I certainly think that it has the potential to be a harder fixture than today's as well. Yeah, When I talk about Palace's fixture this weekend, I know that there's a long time before they play again. But what I mean is... If Crystal Palace were to get past in Everton side, which they could do, you know, Everton's, um, Everton's um, you know, priorities are to stay in the league. So they could well rest players in the FA Cup. And if Palace make it through to the last four, their priorities all of a sudden shift from the Premier League to the FA Cup. In fact, I'm sure their priorities are already the FA Cup because they're not going down. So it does have the potential to be a difficult fixture, but it also has the potential to be a very winnable one. Uh, Thank you, Casey, uh, for tuning in. Good to see you. Um, What else uh, have we got (laughs) Um, in the chat box? um, uh, Casey says, good to catch up with you and you. um, And you, as always, uh, hoping Balogun gets a goal against Chelsea. Yeah, that one is currently unfolding as we are live on the show. there was a comment about, here we go, jo 4 says, Hi, Harry, did you see the new chant from the Arsenal fans on Arteta? It's on their Instagram official page. Never seen the fan base on board, this on board with him. Listen, look, as I've said to you guys time and time again, okay, I've said it time and time again. I've had two wobbles with Mikel Arteta. Two serious wobbles. There've been a couple of little mini ones in there as well. But the two big ones for me were the Villarreal defeat in the Europa League last season. I thought he made so many baffling decisions during that particular tie. And then, of course, there was three games into the season where I was worried. The other mini one was probably after that Everton defeat because it was just such a bad performance. I think the next day, though, I kind of got over that. It was, as I say, a sort of minor wobble. But for the most part, I've been very much on board with Mikel Arteta. I've talked about the fact that I can see what he's trying to do. I can see a vision. I can see a plan. And not from you lovely people in the chat, but I've taken so much criticism, abuse. If I had a pound for every time uh, people have called me Mikel Arteta's lawyer um, on various other shows, on the radio. Um, I've had colleagues mock me because I've not wanted to say or or not not it's not that I've not wanted to say, it. I've not believed that Mikel Arteta's been doing a bad job. I've um you know, I've been on board with him for a while. And and I'm on board with him because I can clearly see now where it is that we're trying to get to. And I think the methodology is right and it's correct. And that's all the manager is responsible for. You know, we so, so often talk about managers and this guy's a great manager and this guy gets this out of his team and this guy gets that out of the team. Ultimately, when those players cross that white line, the manager has some influence based on the way he's prepared them and the way he set them up. But it's over to the players to to make it count. The methodology is what the manager's responsible for. And Mikel Arteta has developed a clear system, a clear identity. There's a clear spine to the side now. There's a clear uh, level of commitment that is required. Unfortunately, some of the players who have moved on weren't able to give us or weren't willing to give us. And we're moving in the right direction. And, you know, look, if we finish in the top four, I think that will be slightly ahead of schedule because I don't think internally that was the, the aim for this season. I think that if the opportunity was there, everybody would have been... Like great, let's try and take it. But I think had we finished in the top six this season and got back into the Europa League, that would have been enough for the club, and that would have been enough for a lot of supporters. Given that we're seeing a style, given that we're seeing um, lots of uh, lots of other positives in and around the place. But yeah, um, you know, it's um, it's it's refreshing, you know, and it's good. F- it, it feels good because. I've taken a lot of shit about Mikel Arteta. So to see my opinion and my view um, sort of at least semi-proven, correct, it makes me... And and listen, I'm not blowing my own trumpet. I was correct about Unai Emery way before it was the public view that he wasn't the right man. And I got slated for that and it proved right. He didn't even last a season and a half. And then the same with Arteta. I, was, I wasn't I was going against the grain on purpose. I was saying and sharing my opinion. And, and I feel like if we finish in the top four, which there's a possibility we'll do now, that my view um, on Mikel Arteta will have been vindicated as well. And listen, we're all entitled to views. We all have opinions. And it's great that we have a variety of opinions that we can... You know, we can disagree respectfully and I'm, I'm not, not calling out anybody who disagreed respectfully, but I'm calling I'm calling out the people that were so quick to be critical when it wasn't really necessary, that were over the top in their criticism of the manager and the job that he's doing and, and always seeking to be overly critical of the club. You people are just miserable and need to sort yourselves out. Um, Devin Lindsay, I don't know who this guy is. Um, apparently, I'm a Spurs fan pretending to be a Guna. I'd love to know what that's based on. Jesus Christ. Um, you, my friend, are blocked. Get lost. Get an idiot. I've been called a lot of things in my life, but a Spurs fan is not one of them. Uh, Matt, love this from Matt. Um, Harry, what do you enjoy more, your YouTube channel or being Arteta's lawyer? Um, definitely not being Arteta's lawyer. Uh, uh, Gerald says that no one cares if you think you're right, Harry. I care. Do you know why I care? Because I'm on the end of the criticism. You're not on the end of the criticism. So uh, so I will take uh, all the wins that I can get because. um, Because when you take the criticism and the shit that I do, uh, it's got to the point, right, on social media that there are people. Who DM me for genuinely good reasons, like DM me like to give me feedback on the pod, or DM me to give me feedback on something else I've done, or to um, you know to say something nice. And I don't even look at my message requests anymore because I don't want to listen to, I don't want to read nonsense from people having a go at me. That's how sad it is that sometimes I do on the odd occasion go in there and I'll find a lovely message from someone that I've ignored for months because I don't want to read the criticism and I don't want to hear the shit. So then when we do get things right, and it's not right yet, you know, if Mikel Mikel Arteta's still got loads of work to do at Arsenal, but when you feel like things are going well and that your sticking to your guns was justified, I'm going to take that and I'm going to enjoy it. Sorry if you don't like it. (laughs) Um, What else have we got Uh, in the chat box? uh, Nobby Clark says, trust the process. Love it. I uh, love it. Uh, Harvey says hit the likes over 200. Where are we in terms of the likes? Get your questions in too as well. If you've got genuine questions, not nonsense like accusing me of being a Spurs fan, get them in. Um I'd uh, I'd love to um I'd love to hear uh what you guys uh have got to say. Uh 154 likes on the board, but there's 500 watching. Come on, let's get that up to 200 at minimum. Uh what else have we got in the chat box? Um Des Lynam says Emery in the quarterfinals of the CL, Arteta dreaming about qualifying. Emery, the wrong guy. He was the wrong guy for Arsenal. I never once said that he was a bad manager, but he wasn't the guy to rebuild Arsenal Football Club. And you can bang on all you like about him being in the Champions League and he's doing great. And he's a, he's always been a cup competition manager, Unai Emery. You're seeing it. Um, you know, you're seeing it by the fact that Villarreal are seventh in the league. Yeah, they're not having a very good season in the league. They never do under Unai Emery. So it it proves my point that he he struggles for consistency in league football and the Cups are where he thrives. And he thrived for Arsenal. He took us to a European final. You know, you can't forget that. And I'm not criticising that. I'm not knocking that. Um... You know, but he just wasn't the man for Arsenal. Arsenal didn't trust him either to give him kind of the keys to the club and say, you go and fix this, you go and build this. He was only ever a short-term fix. And you could see that based on the fact that Arsenal gave him no say pretty much in, in most of the transfer activity that happened during his time. How was he going to get it right? He didn't sell himself enough He uh, in terms of getting that trust from the club. The structure was very different. He was not the man to rebuild us. He was brought in to try and patch us up and get us back into the Champions League straight away. And he so nearly did that. And fair play to him for that. But he wasn't the man to take this club forward. OK. Um, <laughs> the Guna Talk says, Harry, who are you most going to enjoy eating humble pie? And why is it Dan Potts? Mate, I'm li- I'm literally going to go meet Dan um, with a pie and I'm going to film him for this channel. Honestly, uh, <laughs> let's take this one Um what else uh, we've got in the chat? Uh, John Not says any news on how long Ramsdale is out for. So Mikel Arteta wasn't very specific in the post-match interview. Uh, I haven't had a chance to catch up with the press conference yet, but in the in- post-match interview, uh, sorry, in the pre-match interview, he said that he'll be out for a few weeks. What does that mean? Two, three, four. Luckily that we've got. Luckily we've got the international break, which takes a week out of that. So that's a week where. Him being absent doesn't really affect us or impact us in a negative way. But look, hopefully it's it's just a couple of weeks and we can get him back ASAP as much as Bern Leno deserves praise. And it's great that he had a good game today. And it's great that we have a, an experienced international German goalkeeper to call upon. We're still a better side with Ramsdale in it. And, um, and I hope he's back sooner rather than later. There was a tiny part of me as well today that was wondering if, that it's not good that he's got injured. But if you're looking for a silver lining in that, is it good that he got taken out of the firing line a little bit? It's not something that you'd want to happen, but the way it did pan out is was that kind of a bit of a blessing in the sense of the fact that he made a, his first really, I would say, high-profile mistake on Wednesday, and he's kind of got time to kind of get out of the firing line a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, big thank you to Matt for your kind words, mate. Really appreciate them, as always. Uh, Adar says, first time listening live from Bro- Brooklyn, New York love the pod and content keep up the great work thank you man and a big shout out um to everybody uh over in new york and across the pond in general uh big hello to jally as well for your very kind comments we'll take a couple um more of your uh of your thoughts and of your questions uh, abhishek says love to watch along harry uh, thank you so much he says when saliba is back what would your center back pairing be well for me It's as is, you know, Saliba, when he comes back, he has to force his way into the reckoning. If we are in Europe, hopefully we are, there will be more games and more opportunities to show what he can do. And then it's down to him to force his way in. But White and Gabriel is developing into one hell of a partnership. And, And I wouldn't want to see that dismantled. I've got to be honest uh maximus says we have 10 matches to go 20 points in those remaining matches seems like a good return for us yeah if you average two points a game you'll be you'll be in a really good position come the end of the season uh big hello to deepesh Makwana. first time listening from wolfham abbey great uh great work harry uh thank you mate uh, yeah long time no speak i have no idea who you are cheers D. Uh, lovely to see you in the chat. Uh, Gar- uh, Graham Caldwell says, Harry, how much more frightening are Arsenal going to be when we add a striker and a partner to Partey? Also, when we have strength in depth in the squad? Yeah, look, as I've said before, the striker thing, you know, we've just had a reminder over the last couple of games that we are missing an elite striker. That's not to knock Lacazette. You know, he does bring a lot to the team. He does bring a lot of effort. He does bring um an ability to drop into deeper areas, an ability to win the ball back for us and start attacks, does bring a commitment and a good and strong character, but he's just not always able to get into the right positions. I don't think quick enough, um, and he does seem to burn out sort of uh, after the kind of sixty-minute mark. You know, it's 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 just not his game, is it, to be all action all the time, and he's obviously been really committed, and he's obviously showing a willingness to do that for a t- for the team, but it just doesn't suit him. If Chelsea got a third, oh, so nearly cleared off the line. But yeah, look, um, yeah, when we get that top striker, you feel like would be a much better proposition. Um, as, as for a partner for Partey, look, I'd like to see us bring in another midfielder, but Granit Xhaka's playing really well at the moment, even though people don't want to admit it. That's the reality. Uh, big hello to Sarab who joins us from India as well. Okay, Um, I think I'm going to leave it there. Uh, We've been going for 50 or so minutes, over 500 of you with us in the live chat right now. If you haven't hit that like button, what are you waiting for? Let's try and get up to as close to 250 likes as we possibly can between now and the end of the stream. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. Big thank you to everybody who joined us live on this show, who's going to watch or listen to it back later. And a big thank you to those of you who joined us for the watch along. Nearly 10k Wow, um, unbelievable. Thank you all so much for your support. Arsenal, brilliant um, today, got over the line, got the result that we wanted, a big, significant result going into the international break. We've opened up some daylight between us and the chasing pack going into that break. We've still got a couple of games in hand over most of the sides in and around us. When Arsenal win, it's the best way to start your weekend. I was in such a good mood that as soon as the game finished and I'd finished doing my work and wrapped it all up, went outside in the sunshine, got the lawnmower out and cut the grass in the garden without my missus banging on at me about it for six weeks prior. It's amazing what an Arsenal victory can do to you, I'm telling you. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'll catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, goodbye and enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Bye-bye.